Hello and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop Podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop. Jason here, looking back at the year that was, 2023. I do weekly videos here on the channel, whether it's a review, a playthrough, or a preview. Not going to talk about previews because this video is for the original release games that you can track down and play. I have covered 40 original titles here in 2023. And because I know what the One Stop Co-op Shop audience wants, I'm going to go ahead and rank them. Fire up a spreadsheet, 1 through 40. Let's talk about the games that I played for you on the channel. Now, my role in the One Stop Co-op Shop is not necessarily to cover the hotness. Y'all got Mike for that. He's got plenty of coverage on the YouTube channel and the podcast, talking about all the latest and greatest solo and co-op here in 2023. I'm more like the guppy, swimming around the big One Stop Co-op Shop whale, covering uh, games that are not uh, talked about as much. Uh, games from uh, different corners of the hobby, smaller publishers, uh, shorter play times, maybe even games from a couple of years ago that were popular, uh, and I've covered an expansion. So if you're looking for alternative things to play that are not necessarily burning up the hotness list, then hopefully this video provides you some ideas towards that end. Full disclaimer, the vast majority of games I'm covering in this video were review copies provided by their publishers. In addition, I would like to thank the users of BGG who provided pictures that I'm using to show the games on this video. So without further ado, let's go to the videotape, top 40 games that I covered here on the channel in 2023. I'm gonna split up my discussion of these games into three different categories, the first being uh, games need to find their audience, and then games that I find very good, and then the top of the list, which would be stellar. So this is my hobby here on OSCS. I don't have to cover games that either I don't enjoy or that I find objectively bad. This is just not gonna make my coverage. So every single one of these games, even down uh, at 40, has something to offer. This first list is uh, games that did not resonate with me, but they might have a little bit of fun for you. And I'll try to articulate that as I go. My number 40 is Solar Sphere. This one is a competitive Euro game with a solo mode about uh, flying out as a corporation and uh, colonizing the sun, extracting its energy. Uh, it is a dice worker placement system uh, where you really get that rock-ribbed uh, resource management exchange efficiency thing going. I personally didn't uh, care for some things in the flow, especially in solo. However, if you're looking for that experience, especially at a reasonable price point and uh, time frame, then Solar Sphere might be for you. Number 39 is Kids Chronicles The Portal. This one is a downloadable set of adventures in the Kids Chronicles framework. Now, my daughter and I loved Quest for the Moonstones, the base game. It was five adventures. Uh, in that Chronicles of Crime style, you go to different places. You're doing that object matching thing that you do in a lot of adventure games. And it has that app integration that Lucky Ducks does so well. The uh, portal, which was the extra adventures, felt more like you know, we're working on these, but we're kind of done unless like release what we have as opposed to something really forward looking. So I don't know if we're going to continue with the Kids Chronicles um, product, but uh, at least I had fun with the original game. So the quest for the Moonstones might be worth a look. Number 38 is Goblin Vault. Uh, this one is a trick-taking game in the role-player universe. Uh, it has that extra level of scoring, kind of pulling you in different directions that a lot of different role-player universe games have. So if you're looking for a little bit of a graduated version of a simple trick-taking game, then you might want to take a look at Goblin Vaults. Number 37 is Herbaceous. Sometimes I like to go back and look at a line of games and you know put a bunch of videos uh, from that line. This one is from the Pencil First line from Dr. Steve Finn. 
Now, I love herbaceous multiplier. It is so easy to teach. The theme is great. You're just planting pots and collecting sets. Uh, and so I have continuously played this game multiplayer. I, I played it solo. It's a breezy kind of Klondike Solitaire variant. So that's why it's this low on the list. I can take or leave the solo, but the multiplayer for herbaceous is excellent. My number 36 is Exo World Survival. In this one, you are playing a survivor on a faraway planet and you're building out a space station so that you can live. Uh, the core here is card laying. Uh, so you're gonna be building out a map of cards, uh, trying to build a station that can sustain you in terms of oxygen, food, etc. cetera. Uh, that card laying is the game. I kind of wish for myself that I had a little bit more sizzle than just that core experience. But if you like laying out those cards, then Exo World Survival might be worth a look. My number 35 is Disney Sidekicks. Now this one suffered from an expectation mismatch. So you see it on the shelf at Target, Walmart, etc. It's like, oh, I'm gonna play this fun Disney game with my child. Then you open it up and it is a rock'em sock'em cooperative game that the enemies hit hard and it's easy to lose. So yeah, this is uh, gonna show up in your bargain bin for like $5, $10, uh, because they wanted it to be like a villainous uh, type where it's like, you know, ongoing, but yeah, that's not uh, really gonna happen. But at the end of the day, it is a solid cooperative game. So if that sounds appealing to you, that's Disney Sidekicks. My number 34 is Old Tree with the Undead and Alive expansion. I wanted to love this game. It's from Antoine Bowser. Uh, you know, the designer of Ghost Stories takes a lot of those mechanisms, re-implements them with some more story beats. What happened was they took the actual ghosts that is in the titular ghost stories and replace them with the story encounters. Now, I just feel like the tension comes from fighting the ghost. That's where a lot of the emergent story comes. So replacing that with a lot of textual narrative this was a very profound miss for me. But if that sounds appealing to you, ghost stories not for everybody, you might enjoy that system with more of a fun story overlay that Ultra might be worth a look. My number 33 is Healthy Heart Hospital 3rd Edition. Uh, this one is a cooperative game from Victory Point Games from a couple years ago, reiterated, uh, in which you are playing an ER doctor and you are getting waves and waves of patients uh, represented in the game by pulling you know, cubes and cubes and cubes out of a bag and constantly dealing with the inflow. So they smoothed out the mechanisms, they made the game nice and pretty, and uh, they added a lot of humor. Uh, so if you watch doctor shows, there's a lot of homages to uh, famous ones. I think it overstays his welcome a little bit. It's like, you know, two rounds, three rounds. Like, okay, I get it. And then, you know, there's three more rounds uh, to go. Uh, but if you like that crisis management style game, uh, you want to play a game in uh, this setting, then Healthy Heart Hospital is solid. My number 32 is The Spill. Uh, this one's from Smirk and Dagger Games, uh, who are known with a few of their games to have like the centerpiece toy in the middle that grabs attention. In this particular case, the Cube Tower. Uh, which represents a big oil well. And you're going to be dumping dice in that represents oil. They're going to be going out to the different areas and you got to clean it up and save animals. So these kind of cooperative games, uh, to me, when they're the best, they're movement puzzles. Didn't think there was enough movement to satisfy me, but the theme is excellent. The toy factor is excellent. And I know a lot of people who enjoy this build. My number 31 is Keystone North America. This one is the debut title from Rose Gauntlet Games, one of those smaller publishers that I mentioned that I like to feature. Uh, this one is a tile laying game uh, about animals in North America. Keystone being those key animals that are, are very important to the ecosystem. And in the game, they're represented by points. So if you can get the keystone in certain areas and get certain adjacencies, then you'll score a lot of points uh, and win. 
very solid. Nothing bad to say about this one. If you like that kind of tile lane, symbol matching game, then Keystone North America is extremely solid. My number 30 is Tesseract. So this one is from Spurk and Dagger, another one that has that attention-grabbing toy in the middle of it. Uh, in this one, there's a cube tower of dice. So you're drafting dice, you're making sets, and you're firing off powers as the game goes on. The powers get bigger and broader, and you're doing all these cascading effects. There is no theme here uh, whatsoever, so I missed that uh, in that crisis management style game. But if you uh, find that whole firing off combos, very intellectual exercise, and then that satisfying punch at the end, Tesseract has a lot to offer. My number 29 is Dice Conquest. Uh, this one's from WizKids. Uh, scratches that solo gamer itch for a dungeon crawl. But uh, oftentimes, you don't have time to lay out a whole big thing. Just, you know, 10, 15 minutes, get me to dungeon, uh, grab the loot, and get out. So uh, this one has that polyhedral dice system. You're fighting waves and waves of monsters. Eventually you, uh, you know, go to the big bad. I have some little problems with this one in terms of the player uh, balance. Some of the monster powers are frustrating, but for the most part, if you're looking for that quick filler uh, dungeon crawl experience, Dice Conquest uh, might be one for you. Rounding off this list at number 28 is Jerusalem Anno Domini. This one is a Euro game about the Last Supper of Jesus Christ. So I'm so excited about this game for many personal reasons. Uh, I'm a Christian. I love history. I love when games take on different themes. Uh, I had some core difficulties with how the actual Last Supper plays out on the board. Wanted it to be a little bit more dynamic. It's more of a multiplayer solitaire experience. But um, it's here because I really appreciate that uh, different designers and publishers are going for different experiences. And I want to encourage that. So Jerusalem Anno Domini, a great start. Let's see some more. My number 27, rounding out this part of the list, is Everdell Far Shore. This is a standalone game, the first of its kind, in the Everdell universe. Takes a lot of the familiar city building and cute critters and what we know uh, about Everdell and puts it in a little bit of a new mechanical package, the maritime theme, uh, and others. So a lot of folks watched my video and the others that came out at the same time when the embargo lifted and said, that's a lot of Everdell right there. Is this really different? Does this really justify the expense of a new base game? What I'll say is this game is for A, someone who wants a little bit of an easier entry into Everdell. I think that the uh, Far Shore does a couple of things to smooth the mechanical experience out. Or if you are an Everdell completionist, you absolutely have to have everything for it. Believe me, there's a couple of uh, people out there that know what completionism is all about. Then Far Shore probably offers just that little bit to be like, you know what? Okay, I'll put that in my collection. So a little bit of a mixed rating for me. I'm splitting the difference between those two camps. Uh, here's where it lands. Number 27, Everdell Far Shore. For this next part of the list, I'm going to transition to talking about games that are very good for me. Either they fulfill some kind of role for me or for my game group, so I've kept them, or I can recommend them as really solid at what they do. My number 26 is Alien Frontiers Edition X. This one is an OG in so many different ways. It was the first, or one of the first, a successful one of the Kickstarters, so uh, a trivia note for y'all. Also, I think it was one of the first uh, really popular dice worker placement games. So you've had worker placement. This one uses dice where the pip determines where you can go, how strong your action is, uh, that kind of thing. So uh, many games have uh, used that mechanism. I love Kingsburg. Uh, Solar Sphere was mentioned earlier uh, in this list. So um, Alien Frontiers, 
to me, <laughs> has not been outdone. Uh, I still love it to this day. And the Edition X has uh, a lot of what I regard as the best expansion in the package. The only thing missing from this package is a in-the-box solo mode. There are solo modes all over BGG, so I'm happy to include it in uh, this list. So I am wondering if this game is popular enough that gets enough attention from designers. Give me a solo mode for Alien Frontiers Edition X. Mono 25, Tiny Epic Vikings. Y'all know me on the channel. I love to take Tiny Epic and throw it right on uh, as soon as I get one. Uh, this one stands out because I feel it takes the most different kinds of mechanisms and smushes it all into one package. You got set collection, resource management, uh, area control. It is a Viking game after all. Uh, bluffing aspect in multiplayer. Uh, so much uh, in that little box. So that creates a difficulty, especially for solo players. The solo is layered on top of all that uh, stuff. So there's a lot going on, hard to remember. It's the game where I hesitate the most in terms of just taking out and playing it. After a while, I gotta remember a whole bunch of different things. Uh, so that's a little bit of a barrier. But in terms of someone who wants that heightened strategic experience, no other game in the Tiny Epic line offers more on that end. That's Tiny Epic Vikings. My number 24 is 1815 Scum of the Earth. This one is an iteration within the historic epic card battle system from Holonothic Productions. Uh, it is based on the Battle of Waterloo and the uh, battles leading up to it. Uh, a pitched battle, all card-based. You're throwing your cards into this pit, this meat grinder. Uh, most of your cards you're going to lose depending on uh, you know how you're positioning them, which ones you want to keep and which you want to sacrifice. Um, this one is an excellent two-player game uh teaches you a lot of history a lot was wrapped into the system solo a, a little bit more difficult in terms of my own experience i think this one is a natural two-player game the solo does work so if you enjoy sound of that that is 1815 scum of the earth my number 23 is forbidden jungle uh, so this is the latest in the matt leacock line of forbidden games the fourth one you are crash landed on a jungle and you're trying to escape before you are assaulted by creepy crawly uh little uh, insect things. So this one has the most organic bad guy evolution. You start with a bunch of eggs and they grow up into hatchlings and you know they eventually grow up into full-size adults. If you get too many of anything, any particular thing, they're going to lose. Lots of ways to lose uh, in this one. Uh, so as the Forbidden series has gone on, the complexity has definitely added on. And I found that Forbidden Jungle just had this issue where like the, the bot was a little bit hard to implement sometimes. Like, it takes a little while and then you know, you're back to your turn. But the sense of adventure and the evolving nature of the threat and some of the spatial puzzle elements that come in towards the end, Forbidden Jungle uh, offers something unique in the series and I definitely like it. My number 22 is Siberion. This is the latest in the Oniverse in which you are playing a mechanic and you're trying to solve problems and collect your tools. Uh, but as opposed to in Arion, a previous title where you were constructing a separate machine. Uh, in this one, you're uh, actually doing a series of personal power-ups. So you're going to you know, get yourself powerful along the way. At the beginning, you're doing the simple matching thing. It's very, very easy. But then by the end, uh, there's all sorts of branching paths that you can take. And you're doing a lot of combos, a lot more than in other 
Oniverse games. A really fun, solid game. A kind of in the middle in terms of the Oniverse, but hey, it's the Oniverse. I love them all. So Siberion is definitely a keeper for me. My number 21 is Floriferous. Uh, this is another in that pencil first line of games from Dr. Steve Finn. To me, this is the best one that I've played. Uh, it is about like walking in a garden, but that's where the theme kind of ends. It reminds me of a, a Reiner Kinesia style game where the theme just kind of like points you in the direction. And meanwhile, you know, you're moving your pawn, you're symbol matching. Uh, you have lots of different things to think about in terms of like building combos and maximizing your points. I just feel like this is the smoothest game that I've played of Dr. Finn. I really, really love Floriferous. My number 20 is the Castle Panic Big Box. So uh, Castle Panic, I've played for years. Uh, I really appreciate it as the paradigmatic cooperative tower defense game. And I love that genre because it's so easy to teach. Here's a thing, you care about it and protect it from you know whatever is assaulting you. In this particular case, the thing in the middle is a castle and monsters are coming out of a bag, strewing out and you have to you know, play your cards and defend as much of the castle as possible. So... Uh, so many reasons to like this game. Uh, the big box I really appreciate having because, uh, you know, I can play that simple base game uh, if I have people who are new to gaming or who just want to kind of breeze the experience. But if I want to add in complexity, I add in especially the Wizard's Tower for those extra cards or some of the other uh, later modules. The fact that I can kind of adjust difficulty and complexity on the fly in this one, uh, Castle Panic Big Box is going to be in my collection a really, really long time. My number 19 is Valyria Card Kingdoms, particularly with a certain expansion called Darksworn. So the basic Valyria Card Kingdom system, you start with a you know, couple cards in front of you that have numbers. You roll in those numbers, you get resources. If you build well enough, you're going to grow those number of cards in front of you. You roll a number and then ching, 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 uh, really plays on that you know jackpot system. You roll a certain thing and then it just you get flooded with an abundance of resources. Feels really satisfying. Uh, the base game, though, I just feel like doesn't handle that abundance very well. Um, but then you get into some of the expansions which do a better job, and then the Darksworn expansion adds cooperative play, adds an ongoing campaign with some difficulty. Uh, I feel like the game is at its best uh, in that Darksworn version. Go ahead and check out the video. I really had a lot of fun with the entire campaign of Villarreal Card Kingdoms with the Darksworn expansion. My number 18, rounding off this list, is Masters of the Universe Clash from Eternia from Simon. This one is the paradigmatic big old honky game with tons of expansions, uh, you know, big old board and minis and dice and all that kind of thing. Uh, ultimately, this is a one versus many game uh, in which you uh, one player will play like a squad of a faction, you know, whether the good guys or the bad guys or whatever. Uh, and then the other players will play their own characters uh, and then, you know, go back and forth, you know, capture the flag and race scenarios. Uh, so a different scenario based uh, play. So there is a cooperative mode, uh, and I think like four of the 24 modules included in the base game have cooperative as a basic thing. You can play more. I've seen uh, BG variants where like they take the other scenarios, make them cooperative. It's not that hard. Um, but it ultimately doesn't get to that top level for me uh, because of the emphasis on one versus many play. But I remember my plays this game. I'm a He-Man guy. I grew up in the 80s uh, with that IP. Oh, you have the power. Uh, and, you know, chucking those dice and having a lot of fun. So there's so much to like here in Master of the Universe, Clash for Eternia. 
So this is the last part of the list. These 17 games are stellar, in my opinion. I played them throughout 2023. It's like, oh, I enjoy this. That goes in my collection. They're going to be there for a very long time, either because I admire what they're doing. They're coming out of a very different perspective, uh, or they just, you know, whatever it is, they do the core thing. It's just super, super good. Again, this is my taste, very reflective. of. Uh, I'm a little bit eclectic uh, in uh, the kind of things that I like, so hope you enjoy. These next two, 16 and 17, are historical games from Blue Panther games that I've really come to appreciate for uh, searching out uh, different kinds of themes. Uh, so number 17 is Land and Freedom, about the Spanish Revolution, uh, in which you are playing one of three factions during that time period in the 1930s of pre-World War II. Uh, and you are trying to accomplish your own goals, but you're also working in this kind of semi-cooperative way uh, against this, you know, looming threat of Spanish fascism. So it's possible for the game to win. So you have to manage that balance of, you know, how much do I pursue my own goals, progress my own track, and you know, play my own cards, or uh, do I point my resources that way, or am I going to follow the uh, side of the board that has into you know, the map and you know, defending against the outside threat? So managing that back and forth, especially. In a multiplayer, a uh, very much multiplayer game, kind of getting in people's heads when to do what. The solo works; it's effective, and I had a lot of fun with it. Really, though, uh, you're going to want to play this one at three. That is Land and Freedom. My number sixteen is Stonewall Uprising: The Fight for Gay Civil Rights. Another historical game. This one depicting the struggle for civil rights in America through the '60s and '70s and '80s. Uh, another game of card play. Another game in which you are manipulating tracks. This one is a lot more. Uh, pointed and directed and dynamic. You're fighting over those tracks. It's very much central uh, and building up a dice pool and eventually, you know, trying to get to the point where, you know, you have enough dice where you can roll and accomplish, um, you know, victory for gay civil rights. Or if you're the man trying to shut <laughs> gay civil rights down. So as opposed to Land of Freedom, which I felt was better in the multiplayer, here, uh, it's good head-to-head, uh, -head, but I've do not find a lot of people that are very comfortable playing the quote-unquote man suppressing civil rights. This one, thankfully, though, has a very effective uh, solo uh, card deck. So if you just play Pride, uh, it really works. Uh, Stonewall Uprising, I still bring it out every once in a while. It's excellent. My number 16. My number 15 is Call to Adventure Epic Origins. Now, this one started a lot of conversation when it came out and also different iterations. As you see, if you're watching the video, I have the Stormlight Archive version of Call to Adventure on my shelf, and that has everything uh, for it. So the conversation was, is this a game? <laughs> uh, or is it kind of a storytelling device? And the answer is that it's both. Uh, it's not a game that you're going to come to if you want, like, you know, a lot of buttons to push. And, you know, it's very simple, simple matching. Uh, you know, you're, you're in there for the experience and just enough, you know, in terms of the, you know, gamer firing off powers and everything to make it happen. But ultimately, you're here for the story. Uh, Epic Origins brings the whole system a little bit closer to a D&D &D paradigm, Dungeons and Dragons with like race and class and everything. So you can actually make a character that you can port over to your D&D &D campaign. Uh, so much of the symbol matching, dice rolling, casual fun is here. I do not have any expectations that are going to burn my brain on this one. As long as I can let this game be what it is, I really enjoy Call to Adventure Epic Origins. Next one up, number 14, Professor Evil and the Citadel of Time. This one's not from 2023, uh, but I will put down all of my favorite games at some point uh, if I notice that they don't have videos in the one-stop co-op shop. So that's another thing that I do. 
Um, Professor Evil is a heist game at the end of the day. I got Burgle Brothers and number two uh, right there. So, you know, I love my heist games. Uh, in this particular one, you are fighting against the professor. They've stolen artifacts from time. You're going into their mansion and stealing them back before the professor can get them. What I like about this one is the swinginess in the best possible way. It has dice. Uh, the professor moves around. You will get boned <laughs> by certain roles. But the game gives you enough resources to fight back. Uh, so the professor will lock up a whole bunch of doors and, you know, turn off a bunch of those uh, switches that you got to do. And then it's like, okay, I got power, 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 building them up, boom, 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 get a whole bunch done and get it back. No game does that swing better. Uh, and that equals excitement. So Professor Evil and Citadel of Time is in rotation for as long as I'm playing games. Coming in at number 14 is Parks. I did a playthrough with the Nightfall and Wildlife expansions, which I have in the basic box. Uh, this one, again, to my taste, a lighter touch, but offers that enough strategic bite to kind of matter. I think of all the games on this list, Parks comes the closest in terms of hitting that bullseye, uh, giving me both feelings at once. So it's hard, right? It's hard to have a satisfying strategic experience that is at the same time, you know, casual. I think the theme really helps your campers and there's all these pretty pictures of wildlife. Uh, so that part in itself is just a pleasure to be around. And then uh, all the symbol matching and, you know, gathering of the gear and the different things that you can do to uh, manage the position on the track. I just think Parks does it really well. Every expansion adds something positive. Parks is a winner. Next one up is Block by Block, number 12. So on mechanisms alone, I don't know that this would be this high. Uh, I mean, it's a fine game, you know, classic cooperative play, short-term, long-term, everything else. Uh, there's a lot going on, uh, just like little things that I forget every time I bring it out. However, that theme, oh, <laughs> you're playing citizens and you are trying to liberate a city from uh, you know, the police uh, that are trying to lock it down. So uh, thinking of you know, historic events like the battle in Seattle or you know, any time, uh, thinking about like public space and who owns public space, the people or authority. So you gotta be into that, right? I, I am, uh, clearly. Uh, so in being in the theme, uh, immersing myself in the citizen play, uh, there, are, there isn't just one meeple, there's like multiple meeples that you get, they, they gather, and then you have these celebratory moments where you're liberating the tile. Uh, so much to love about Block by Block, very cinematic as well. Uh, I could talk about Block by Block all day. So as I go higher and higher on the list, uh, I'm going to have more and more happy things to say. The smile is going to get bigger. 2023 was really good. Uh, so this one wasn't from 2023. It's from a couple years ago. But anytime I rate a game a nine or above, which this game is, uh, it's like, you know what? Boom. <laughs> Easy playthrough. Sunset Over Water. This one is from Stephen and Pencil First Games once again. Uh, like Parks, a natural setting. Uh, you're, you're surrounded by beautiful, uh, beautifully rendered cards. Uh, this one, the art is all by Beth Sobel, who does a lot of this uh, kind of work. Um, instead of the Euro Resource uh, track, though, which Parks did, this one is a much more casual spatial reasoning and timing. You know, do I want to go for uh, you know short distance very quickly or a long power? move a little bit later. Uh, just that simple little implementation. Oh my God. Uh, again, gets that bullseye right. Gives me strategic depth and makes me feel good at the same time. Uh, I've been playing Sunset of a Water and since its release, I always bring it out at least uh, once a year, which is a lot for me, especially when it's a game that's a little bit older. I will never get rid of Sunset of a Water. 
I said that I was going to mention Everdell again earlier in this list. Well, here it is. Number 10. This year, I played through the New Leaf and Pearlbook expansions with the Mistwood Solo expansion uh, that was provided in the Complete Collection. I love the Complete Collection. I'm keeping that thing. I even play the app when I don't feel like getting out the whole uh, big thing. The app of the base game works as well. Uh, the combo chaining, the city building, the art, and the you know the woodland creature motif, uh, it brings together so much of what I love about just a classic card play. Everdell is awesome. My number nine is sitting right there behind me, behind my left shoulder, Transformers the Deck Builder game. Now, this one was a huge surprise to me. I played it at a con. I was there early, uh, so I, my brain wasn't quite there. And, you know, there's so much uh, rules overhead with this one, especially with the team versus team, uh, you know, a competing and adversaries. And, you know, you're not directly competing. You're racing. Da -da -da -da. Uh, and I was like, uh, I'm not going to like this. And then I gave it another chance because I'm a Transformers person, you know, child of the 80s and everything. Everything. Uh, Renegade was nice to send me the you know further expansions. I got to play me Grimlock, and all the fun opened up. And it's one of those things where I have a hard time recommending it uh, for you know lots of other groups. I've taken this to many other situations, and it's fallen flat. It is too long. There's a lot to explain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as a solo game, uh, as a game that innovates on deck building, as a game that generates those emergent theme moments, you know, confrontations between Autobot and Decepticon. I just I just can't let go of it. You know, I'd rather have a game that's rough around the edges but memorable than someone that's smooth and isn't very memorable. So Transformers deck building game made the list at number nine. At number eight, it brings together a lot of what I'm talking about in terms of my particular taste. I love being surprised. Uh, I, I love when games kind of take a different angle on something, gives me a tactile feeling. Uh, throw that in there. That's pretty good. Uh, globe trotting. I was so taken by surprise by this. I got contacted by REI. I had covered Canvas for them uh, on previously on the channel. So they said, here's our newest game. I said, okay, I'm, I'll give it a shot, <laughs> not knowing what to expect. Whoa, this game is great. Uh, you get uh, these little globe pieces, uh, and it has uh, cities around the world, and the cities are all based on your know, previous games like Jaipur and Carcassonne, et cetera. And you're doing the, you know, you're making travel lines with a wet erase marker. So there's a huge physicality component here. You're trying to do so efficiently because there's these cards, and you know they, they give you kind of scoring conditions. Okay, this route's worth this, that route's worth that. Change it up a little bit. And even the solo mode is fun. Yeah, I loved uh, the experience of um, playing it solo. Uh, and it's a game that I would play really, really often. The only limitation uh, to one, it's hard to store those globes. You have to take them apart, put them together. People didn't love that. Uh, and also the wet erase aspect of it can be a little bit messy. So just from a tactile end, uh, it, ugh, it adds a little bit of roughness. But for me, if I want unique experiences uh, and something that people will remember, you know, it, it, I brought it to a, a friend's house and they're like, hey, I want to play that globe game. Not a lot of games do that. Uh, and sometimes you have to think outside the box to get there. So globe trotting, wow. Uh, a very, very worthy number eight. Now for my number seven, I'm cheating a little bit because I didn't actually do a video on this. I did cover it on the One Step Co-op Shop podcast and uh, I only didn't do a video because Mike loved the game also. <laughs> so I would have done a video. It's right uh, over here. Uh, Genshin Tarot. Oh, by the way, uh, more of these like excellent top games have made it into my shelf. So that's how you know. Uh, Genshin Tarot is a, a card-based game superhero battler uh, like a Sentinels of the Multiverse and Marvel Champions uh, doing its own thing. Uh, I think uh, it offers something very unique. 
uh, it is the lightest rule set of all of these uh, card battlers uh, while still being engaging uh, in terms of its strategy. Uh, the combos, you're not just playing one hero, you're playing four, like a team in the video game, uh, Genshin Impact. And you know, shuffling in deck builder style, those, those four different heroes, exploring the different combos, how they interact. Uh, I mean, I when I got it, I played it... 20, <laughs> 25 times, which never happens. I never get that high. Uh, to explore all the different characters they're working on more, I'm in for it. Genshin Taro. My number six is on the shelf once again, Earthborn Rangers. This one delivered uh, fresh here in 2023. It is a take on an adventure card game. We have a few of those, like an Arkham Files game, uh, different adventure style games, whether it's a book or an app iteration, whatever it is. This one is straight up just cards. And it goes at it in a whole different way. The first mission is not kill the bad guy or escape the prison. It's deliver biscuits. Uh, a mission statement, as I discussed with the uh, makers of the game on the podcast, uh, they wanted a game that was about human connection. You're exploring this huge open world. Everywhere you go, there's humans to meet uh, because it's a very uh, um, populated land, uh, you're recovering from some kind of apocalypse. So how do you recover from apocalypse? You get people together. And all along the way, all the people you meet, they give you items, they point paths towards uh, new areas to explore, a mystery develops, uh, you know, the game gains momentum as you go on while still retaining its open world uh, aspect and also clever card play like in you know, an Android Netrunner. So that combination is there. Earthborn Rangers is amazing. I'm in for the expansions and all the later cycle. There's more coming. So that means I'm going to keep featuring it. For my number five, I mentioned it already. When I talked about Earthborn Rangers, there it is. Sentinels of the Multiverse over my other shoulder. So this one's the Grand Poobah. I have been collecting it since it uh, first came out, or at least that second edition of the first cycle. So I got all of the definitive editions so far. I got a black box that I'm thinking of selling, but it's like at this point. <laughs> and that's full of all of the old Sentinels content. Uh, the granddaddy of superhero games, especially at a higher player count. I think Marvel Champions has exceeded it for many people because of the IP because it's better at one and two. Uh, Sentinels, you have to play with at least three, optimally four, I believe. Uh, but in terms of you know having the unique heroes, the unique villains, the fixed deck, and uh, so many different combinations, and uh, you know not just combinations of heroes, but like you can play your deck different ways. Uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse is a classic for a reason, and I will continue to cover it as long as they release sets for it. My number four wasn't exactly a surprise because I knew I would like it, but the degree to which I liked it, oh, I mean, that's another one I've been playing over and over again. Skoentir. Uh, Skoentir is from Inpatience Design. Uh, it is from the Oniverse a maker, but not in the Oniverse series. Uh, Martin Monrad Pedersen, who designs the Automa, partnered with the Oniverse uh, makers in order to bring a Skoentir. Uh, it is an Oniverse style game. You're playing a little woodland creature called the Watker, and you're running away from the Garmla Ereg, which is the bad spirit. And ultimately, it's a deck management game. Uh, there's so many interesting decisions in terms of drafting cards, playing cards. Uh, you, you start off with a big field of play, but over the course of the game, that field will shrink, and you have to use your cards. So many games have come down to the final play, including in the playthrough that I did. Uh, so I, I played this, I don't know, 30, <laughs> 35 times. I don't log my plays. Uh, but it's easy to just kind of play and play and play until you get better. And it rewards that mastery. So Skoentir, uh, right there with every Oniverse game. If I had it in the Oniverse, it'd probably be number two uh, behind Oni Room. And then the rest of them uh, fall in there. So excellent game. 
These final three games are sitting on my shelf behind me, so you know how I feel about them. Number three is Paperback Adventures. Uh, this one is a word game, people, from Tim Fowler, solo only. Uh, you are playing a adventurer that is going through kind of a um, roguelike scenario. So you start off uh, with a simple monster, and then you go through five other bosses, then it culminates in some kind of like big climactic battle. It's not a dungeon crawler, though. It is a word game. Word game, people! What's going on here? Um, and I don't normally love word games. It's actually, In fact, that's probably not why it's not number two or one, because it's a word game. Everything else about this game sings. The card play is great. Spelling words. Uh, you have to find it, arrange the words so that you put the power that you want. Every card has a power. That power has to be on the top. Uh, there's a display system so that you can spell the word backwards and forwards depending on what you want to uh, trigger. There's a deck building aspect where your deck gets better and you can build those combos. You can make longer words. There's three different characters in three different playthroughs, three different play styles. Paperback Adventures is amazing at number three. For my number two, I am cheating. This is not a 2023 release. The cycle is closed. Uh, it hasn't been a new release for this one for a while. But it is Eldritch Horror. I played it on the channel this year because a Colin established tradition. Uh, every year we play a spooky game. We've had enough spooky games in our hobby uh, on Halloween. And so I carried the tradition. Elder Tower made it this year. Uh, World-spanning adventure. Indiana Jones, the board game. Uh, dice and items and wacky adventures. Uh, you know, but in the Cthulhu mythos, so there's that aspect of, you know, hunting down old ones and, you know, dealing with, you know, uh, psychological things that are happening along the way. Uh, so I don't have to go uh, into what Elder Tower is. Now, I apologize to the peoples because the playthrough that I did of the Dreamlands expansion had a major rules error. So I ended up taking it off of the public view. If you want to see it, uh, then it is in the playlist. Uh, it's, it'll only be there, the Elder Tower playlist. We have a whole bunch of playthroughs there. Uh, I have a lot of fun. <laughs> I role play the heck out of that one. Uh, so if you're interested in a little role play uh, through, so to speak, uh, and if you don't mind the, the rules mistake that I made, then go ahead and enjoy Elder Tower uh, with the Dreamlands expansion, but they're all good. My number two. My number one with a landslide. This is one of my favorite games, a forever game. Uh, and it was such a pleasure to get this one to the camera. The Pursuit of Happiness. You see it right over my right shoulder. This one is fabulous. It is the best of the Euro slice of life games. There aren't that many of them, but this one just far exceeds. Uh, you start as a person, a young person, then you have to go, go get a job and you know have different adventures, you know, going around. Uh, the regular pursuit of happiness base game, you know, you have your kind of uh, life that is uh, contained with a neighborhood, and then the expansions open it up, your community and experiences traveling all over the world. Uh, the newest expansion was delivered, which was the nostalgia expansion. I played a giant playthrough with all three expansions, and I got into the role playing. So if you want to see me uh, be a, I think a Manosphere podcaster, uh, advertising Rhino Horn supplements for virility, and getting into you know, all sorts of tax evasion and girlfriends and the role-playing possibilities here in this euro game are infinite endless uh, i truly love the opportunity to play the pursuit of happiness i think the cycle is closed at this point and that's okay there's enough expansions yeah even i even dragged my wife to play this one i can't say enough about the pursuit of happiness so that was all the games that i played for you and for myself let's be honest <laughs> uh here on the one-stop co-op shop in 2023 uh let me know uh if you enjoyed any particular game if one of your favorites made the list or if there was a game that you hadn't heard of before uh and 
and it made you curious, then let me know that in the comments below. Uh, we are keeping the train moving. I have videos once per week. I already have them lined up. I tend to film ahead of time. I, I'm like that. I need the you know a bank of videos and then release them one by one. Uh, so uh, on the One Stop Co-op Shop, uh, unfortunately, we lost Colin. Uh, he moved on to meet me at the table. So he's still doing playthroughs. They do the same thing. <laughs> we both did Airborne Rangers and we're talking about it. Uh, but he's not doing it here. Um, so we are trying to, our best to carry forward the tradition. Mike does a great job and hopefully I supplement and what I add is of value. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for accepting me and my videos and please uh, join us with the continued ride 2024, another 52 videos, another 40 some odd original games and I'll do this again next year. And so this is Jason with the One Stop Co-op Shop reminding you that we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again and we'll see you next week for another top five list. <laughs>